Hi everybody, welcome to PSYCOP Talks Winter Ops. I'm Rick Nelson, ASHTO PSYCOP Coordinator. On this episode, we're continuing on with the series of the top 10 things for a world-class winter maintenance program. We've covered the budget and sustainability in episodes 6 and 7, and if you'd like to catch up, head over to PsychopTalksWinterOps.com, all one word, where you'll find all our episodes. In this episode, we're going to visit with Jeff Williams from the Utah DOT. I want to recognize the Utah DOT as a longtime supporter of PSYCOP, as well as the other PSYCOP member states who make our program possible. I think everybody in the winter maintenance community knows that the Utah DOT has developed an outstanding winter maintenance program over the years, and we're grateful for the chance to talk winter ops and timely and accurate road weather forecasts with Jeff. So let's get to it. On this episode of PSYCOP Talks Winter Ops, we're fortunate to have Jeff Williams, uh, Utah DOT's Weather Operations and Arwis Manager. Welcome, Jeff. Welcome, Rick. Say, Jeff, could, can you explain a little bit about uh, what does a Weather Operations Manager do for the DOT? Yes. Uh, so what I do here is I manage a, a staff of 10 contract meteorologists, and also we have a state uh, meteorologist, or two state meteorologists, including myself, within the Traffic Operations Center. So we, we break down our program within four main areas. We have our operations uh, forecast services group, and they focus largely on, on what the plow drivers are needing, but there are other operations that rely on, on forecast services. And then we have our travel weather information services. So they're trying to figure out what is going to be the end result to the, the traveling public, uh, even despite uh, plow operations that are going on. And then we also have an ARWIS system that includes about 110 ARWIS sites out there. And uh, we have our meteorologists do insulation, maintenance, and integration on these sites. And then also our fourth area is research and development. And I have a state meteorologist that works with me, and we've developed a snow and ice performance measure in-house. So uh, I manage uh, basically these four different areas and uh, making sure that uh, UDOT's getting the forecast services that they need. So you're a meteorologist by training then? Correct. I do have a bachelor's degree in, meteor in meteorology, and, and in fact, uh, the contracting staff we have all have a minimum of a bachelor's degree in meteorology as well. Now, I, I think one of the things that's really interesting about your operation, and, I, and I've been over to visit a few times, is that you're actually located in your traffic management center. Correct. Correct. Uh, we're right beside the traffic operators that are um, putting up messages on the VMS signs and putting out traveler information. So it's really nice to have them at our fingertips and, and vice versa. Whenever they see a weather concern out there, they can just turn around and ask us. So having a meteorologist at your fingertips is really, really valuable. And I suppose that, that goes, uh, that's a year-round function as well. It's not just a wintertime thing. You're correct. It is year-round. And uh, Although the forecasting services does uh, decrease in the summer, it doesn't uh, eliminate. There are a lot of unique forecast needs in the summer, such as wildfire mitigation, flooding concerns, construction activities. It still keeps us rather busy. Now, when we think about, you know, the weather and, and forecasting and, and so on, you all have been a, a longtime supporter of PSYCOP, and, and I thank the Utah DOT for that. But you've also been involved with another pooled fund project called Aurora. Could you, could you maybe explain a little bit uh, what Aurora is all about? 
Sure. Aurora is about, uh, I think there's about 17 member states. And uh, we pulled together money to do research that can jointly benefit uh, the most other states that are out there. And uh, I think it's been ongoing for around 20-plus years. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but it's been going on for quite some time. And uh, what I find really valuable, too, is to see what other states are doing in, in the road weather um, area. Um, I can learn a lot from um, their mistakes and their success, successes. Um, I find that uh, collaboration you know, really valuable, especially with our neighboring states, such as Nevada uh, and Colorado. So it's, I, I find it to be a, a very useful uh, group. And you guys have turned out some really, uh, really good uh, research when it comes to forecasting and, you know, the models and, and so on. I think you mentioned that, that you're working on a, a performance metric for uh, forecasts. Is that right? Uh, that is, well, it's, it's actually for the snowplow crews. So okay. Essentially, what that is, it's a, it's a UDOT snow and ice performance measure. So we're, we're, we developed a real-time storm intensity index that looks at uh, road temperatures, snowfall rates, wind speeds, uh, wet ball temperatures. So we're getting an idea of how much weather are the plows facing on that road at that given time. And we're looking at the resulting road condition or road grip. And we compare the two and, and decide if it's meeting our level of expectation or not. And uh, we've had a lot of success um, with this performance measure. In fact, we're continuing to expand the network of stations as a result of it. Um, and uh, the Aurora Group, as you had mentioned, is, is interested in seeing how adaptable this performance measure is for other states to use. Well, and, and you know, when, when you're talking performance metrics for your, your whole winter maintenance program, having some understanding about what the what the weather's doing and the kinds of adversity that they're facing, I mean, really, really plays into that because one storm certainly isn't like the other. Oh, exactly, exactly. Every storm is different. You know, whenever you talk about about forecasting and, and uh, winter operations, U- Utah DOT always comes to the top of the list of, of uh, marks to, to aim for. Could you give us a little background how you got to where you are today? Sure, sure. Um, back in the 1990s, we had uh, our operations forecast for one of our regions done from an out-of-state contractor. And so uh, from that stage, we had our 2002 Winter Olympics, and there was a decision made to have a transportation meteorologist located within the operations center. And they realized how much benefit there was to having a meteorologist in the operations center. So they hired that person on full-time, and uh, ever since, it's been expanding. And in 2006, uh, the meteorologists here started to install, maintain, and integrate ARWIS systems because, you know, there is, a, there is a slump in forecast need during the summer, but we do have these weather stations out there that we need to make sure are operational and maintained. So it worked out really well to have our meteorologists go out there and maintain these systems. So in 2006, we had about uh, three to four meteorologists. In 2010, we added a travel weather information group. And so that allowed us to, to produce uh, forecasts that are specifically made for the public and traveling needs uh, across the state. And along with that was coordination with our National Weather Service offices and UDOT communications group. And our coordination with the National Weather Service has led on to the Pathfinder project which is a FHWA Everyday Counts 4 initiative. And basically, it's, it's working with the Weather Service to try to get the message out to the public that's unified and that travelers will understand what the impact is going to be to their commute and whatnot. So 
I know in the past with the Weather Service, they would issue a winter storm warning for six inches of snow on the grass. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that the road is going to be snow covered. And so the, the UDOT may be saying, hey, roads are going to be wet. Weather Service is saying six inches in the grass. Both forecasts are spot on, but the public was one of confusion. They didn't know how to react to that information. So we decided, hey, let's get together and join our information together, and let's get that unified message out to the media and to the public. And we've seen a lot of good results as a result of that coordination. That started around 2010 with our Travel Weather Information Group. Uh, in 2013, that's when we started to develop a snow and ice performance measure. Um, our director of maintenance came to us and said, hey, what can we do to better measure this? And we have an intimate knowledge of the ARWIS system, and we, said, we thought, you know, what, no better, let's just use the ARWIS data to try to develop this performance measure. And so we've been developing over the last few years, and uh, we've seen a lot of success with it, and there's still some improvements yet to be made on it. Uh, however, we're really satisfied with the results. Yeah, that that's really great. I like I say, whenever whenever we talk about winter operations, Utah really comes to the the top of the list. And a, a few years back, we did a, a project. Psychop did our top ten project, and you know the premise behind the whole thing was, you know, what are the the top ten things you should be doing if you wanted to have a world class winter maintenance program? And of course, timely and accurate forecast came right up to the top of the list there, and so. With the, with the kind of experience and background that you have, maybe you could uh, give us some, some pointers, some things that we should be looking at when it comes to, to timely and accurate forecasts. And, you know, we've sort of bounced around some ideas ahead of time, and, and there's, there's four or five really good points uh, to make out there. So let, let's go ahead and let's sort of dive into that and, and provide some insight for folks that, that may be looking to expand their your forecasting program. So what do you think would be one of the one of the first important things to consider? Yeah, timeliness. I mean, I think knowing the timeliness of the forecast coming out, but more importantly is having accurate accurate timing on your forecast impacts to the road. Um, that's essential. And in fact, we require our contractor to forecast to the nearest hour uh, once you're within 36 hours of the storm. I mean, we want their best guess at what time it's going to come so we can make staffing adjustments and and uh, be ready for the storm. So I think having that accuracy is important. Forecasts are going to be wrong at times, though. So if, if the forecast is wrong, I expect them to be proactive and call people and alert people that, hey, no, nope, it's coming in two hours later now, prepare for that. Um, so that, that that proactive approach makes that all possible by by having them narrow down to the nearest hour. We don't like to say it's coming in this evening, this afternoon. We want to know it's coming in at 4 p.m. So I think timeliness is very, very important. Um, in terms of operations, accuracy is is obviously very important, too. And and one thing that we don't do here in, in Utah is we don't use probabilities because we figure if we're telling the plow crews that there is a 50% chance of snow that we really haven't made them or helped them make their decision on how to uh, handle the storm. So we decided that it's better to have the meteorologist make that call on the, on the weather. So it's a yes-no determination, basically. So they'll say, yes, it's going to snow at 4 p.m., it's going to end at 10 p.m., and then it can come back in at 2 in the morning. And it's very precise information. It is going to be wrong at times, but to be honest, that proactiveness of the weather group will keep that uh, that disturbance to a minimum. One reason that's also really nice, too, to have yes-no decisions is that there's more forecast accountability. When you have a 50% chance of snow out there, that's a pretty hard thing to validate. 
and determine if that's an accurate forecast or not. So I think by having your yes-no determinations, you're able to see more the accuracy of the forecast. Now that sort of ties right back into this whole idea that and you mentioned it earlier, that you know four inches of snow in the grass is different than what it's going to be on the pavement. And so if, if you're trying to use those National Weather Service type forecasts, those probabilistic kinds of forecasts, it, it might not really be serving you as well as, as it could by having that road weather forecast. Is that right? That is exactly right. I mean, the, the National Weather Service and media forecasts have a really difficult job, to be honest, because they have to reach a very wide audience in a very wide geographic area. So it's it's really pretty much difficult or almost impossible to put a lot of detail on a forecast like that. And operations really require a lot of detail. And so you'll find a much different forecast on the road weather forecasts that are focused directly on how the weather is interacting with the road than you would in a general forecast you'd find from the media or from the National Weather Service. So uh, six inches of snow in the grass, you know, like I said before, may not have any impact on the road surface. And so you may be wasting staffing and materials as a result, if you don't know exactly what's going to happen to that road. So I would say that, you know, that local knowledge is, is critical. And uh, most of all, I think to make a forecast group successful, you must have a lot of feedback from your crews out there. Um, and particularly in the West, I know we have a lot of areas that are void of weather information. And so it's very hard for us to verify forecasts in certain locales unless we get information back from the fog crews. So I really invite them to call in, especially when the forecast is off. Call in, let us know, and we'll identify the weather pattern associated with that, and we'll make adjustments on our end to make sure that that forecast is more accurate next time around. So in Utah, um, we've really developed a lot of trust with the plow drivers, and uh, we take around 5,000 interactions a year from the plow crews into the forecast unit. And I really don't think you can have a lot of success with your road weather forecast unless you get a really good connection and, and um, with your plow crews out there. I think that's pretty much a, an absolutely critical factor. And one thing that we do prior to the season is we go out there and meet with the plow crews and the area supervisors and whatnot face to face and give them a winter outlook, you know, let them know that they can call in anytime 24 seven to get their weather information. So I think, like I said, I think you can't undervalue that connection with the, the plow crews. I think in a lot of ways, having your uh, forecast staff right there in the TMC, they're part of the team, they're part of the DOT, there's a lot of ownership there. Uh, that that goes a long ways towards developing that relationship, I think. It certainly does. Um, and, you know, I've been talking a lot about the plow crews, but, you know, being that we're in an operations center, we do have a lot of uh, impact on staffing and we work with the operators here we work with highway patrol we work with the incident management team um, uh, the list goes on and on and on there's so many different crews out there that rely on information even our, our paint striping crew they want to know specific information to know whether it's good to paint or not and uh, it's really you really don't realize that benefit unless you have that meteorologist you know within your operations center you'll soon realize that there's there's a lot of benefit other than just the obvious now when when you talk about having the the hard start, I, I can't remember exactly how you phrased it, but uh, it, it's not a probabilistic type forecast. Isn't that sort of counter to what the National Weather Service is is trying to do with with their probabilities and and that sort of thing? Yes, uh, the Weather Service does use probabilities in their forecast, and I think when you're forecasting for such a wide area, geographic area, and a wide audience that 
probability may be a better way of, of describing the general scenario, but when you really need specific information, I believe that probabilities aren't really the best way to go. I think you just you really want that meteorologist to go ahead and make that call, put pressure on them, make that call on the weather because there's a lot riding on a forecast that has snow coming in at 1 p.m. or is it coming in during the evening. You know, there's, there's a very big difference in timing, especially when you're working around commutes. And, and that sort of goes back to the whole iterative process, though. It, it's not a one-and-done kind of a forecast. You're, you're constant, the, the forecast is constantly evolving based on in, uh, input from your plow drivers and, and that sort of thing. So it's, I think that really adds value to the forecast and, and to the DOT. Without a doubt, and and, uh, and also talking about RWIS too, RWIS is really helping out with the forecast as well, and and we use that uh, a lot of times for now casting. So if we see the storm entering the state and uh, the first RWIS station it hits, it's not really uh, we're not really encountering the type of forecast that we were expecting. Then we know we need to make adjustments to the forecast, or maybe we need to call out people say no, it's coming in two hours later now. Uh, prepare for that. Uh, one valuable piece of information that we really uh, enjoy from the ROS site is the uh, 18-inch soil temperature. So we have a temperature probe put in 18 inches underneath the ground, and that really allows us to establish a snowfall rate that's needed to overcome the road. And so that really helps the long-range forecast when we see the storm coming in. And those soil temperatures can really vary a lot depending on time of year, depending on what your weather pattern has been like the last two or three weeks. Um, it can have a, a big difference in how you look at the storm and how you try to determine the impacts to the road surface. Yeah, and that all ties back to the whole road weather element as opposed to the atmospheric weather. Exactly. So if there's one piece of advice that you could give to a, a state DOT out there that was thinking about getting some, some contract meteorological services, some, some specialized road weather forecasts. What, what piece of advice would that be? You know, for, I would say that you really need to demand a lot of detail from the forecast, especially in that short 24 to 36 hour time frame. Um, these, meteoro these meteorologists are capable of doing a much more than you would see in a media forecast or a general na national weather service forecast. So in operations, you, you demand certain details. You want to know if it's going to come in as rain first or is it going to come in as snow first. That determines your pretreatment, you know. And these are the type of information that the meteorologist or the, the weather forecasting firm needs to know. They need to know, they need to know your criteria. They need to know uh, why you need this information so they can kind of process it in their head and make sure that you're aware of what needs to be done and and whatnot. So I, I'd say just expect a lot of uh, detail from the forecast and, and put a lot of pressure on them to, to make the call on what's going to happen to that road. Jeff, thanks so much for uh, being with us on PSYCOP Talks Winter Ops. Uh, you've shared a, a tremendous amount of your experience and, and knowledge with the folks that are going to listen, and, and I truly appreciate it. Sure, Rick. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to discuss this anytime with any anyone. All right. Well, Jeff, I, I sure appreciate it. Thanks much. Mm, thanks, Rick. And thanks for listening as PSYCOP Talks Winter Ops.